We are already at part two of our series on prayer. Our series on prayer is called Prayer, a Conversation with God. And in the series, we started it last week. What we said is this is what we want to do. We want to cut the fluff that is often associated with prayer. So depending on where and how you grew up, you might have certain ideas of how you are supposed to pray or the right words you think you should use or whatever. And at the end of the day, it often leaves us at a place where we don't pray enough, where we don't get to God the way we should because there's so much stuff attached to it. And last week we heard that God said this, I want to hear your heart. That's what prayer is about. So we said, let's cut all the fluff. Let's get back to the basics. And the basics is prayer is about having a conversation with God. Here's the thing about a conversation. A conversation and this is up in the dictionary. A conversation is described as a, as a, um, di- a dialogue between two people or a conversation between three people. So conversation means this. There has to be more than one person. And there has to be two people that both get the chance to talk to be heard, not just one. So here's my question today. If prayer is a conversation with God, it means that God also needs to speak to us and not just we're speaking to God. It means that we shouldn't always just be asking God for stuff, but it means that God should also be saying things to us. And here is the question. Have you ever heard God speak before? And I'm not going to let you raise your hand, so that's a question you can answer in your heart. But here's what's going to happen. There's going to be three reactions today in this room. One is some people are going to say, Louis, I clearly heard God somewhere in my life, and I'm so sure of this, um, whatever way that might be. Other people might be like, I'm not sure. I think like somewhere God might have spoken to me in my life. And other people will be like, no way, dude. I'm praying and like nothing is happening. Like there's just no, no, no dialogue back to me. This is, this is what we're going to be talking about today. How can we hear God's voice? Our second topic for this series, prayer or conversation with God, is hearing God's voice. And this is so important to me because in the 13 years that I've been in ministry, this is probably one of the questions I get the most whenever I talk about prayer. It's does God speak? Does God speak? Can God speak to me, and how does His voice sound? So our topic today is hearing God's voice. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with a story from the Bible today about a young boy with whom God tried to talk, and it took, it took a bit of a process for him to finally realize who's speaking to him and to, to get the, a whole understanding of God's voice. And his name was Samuel. His mom couldn't have any children. She prayed and she asked God, she begged God, so intently, so intensely for a son that the, the priest Eli thought she was drunk. And he, he's like, why do you show up to the temple drunk? She's like, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just like really praying. And a year later, God gave her a son. She raised his son when he was old enough. She left him at the temple. She dedicated him to God. He worked in the temple and he served Eli, the priest, and his sons. And we're going to read today from 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 to 10. If you've got your Bibles, you can open there. Um, or it's on the screen, we live reading from the New Living Translation. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. So one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up, he ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I don't call you, Eli replied. Go back to your bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. 
And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? It's like, I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So he's never heard God's voice. So his answer on my question that I ask, have you heard God's voice? is like, no, I haven't, okay? So then the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, here I am, did you call me? And I think at this moment, Eli was like, leave me alone, I'm trying to sleep. It's like when you've got a sick baby that wakes you up. That's been us for the last two weeks. Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before. Samuel, but this time there's extra, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Guys, what is so interesting to me is when we read the Bible, I think often when people have this, when they, they try to process this question, does God speak? I'm like, in the Bible, he clearly spoke. And it seems like it's quite common. You just have to go like two or three chapters and God was speaking to someone either through an angel or through a dream or through a vision or with his voice or a handwriting on a wall or a donkey that was talking, all kinds of interesting things in the Bible. And then we're like, it was so common. Why isn't it common in my own life? So what I want to do is I want to I cut out a little a couple of misconceptions in your life before we talk about how we can hear God's voice. And the first misconception is that God spoke audibly and in a very significant way that, was not, that, that your mind cannot conceive. I want to cut that misconception that we think that happens every single day and every single minute. It didn't. Even if you look at the life of Abraham, God speaks to him. A chapter later, God speaks to him again. But if you read the Bible, there's a 13-year gap between those two times. So the Bible is recorded over a period of thousands of years. It, it, it shows us the history of the world for a couple of thousand years or maybe even longer. We don't know how long um, a day was that God created the world in. But God created it. And from there, we have the history of people till the day that Jesus died almost 2,000 years, about 2,000 years ago. So over these thousands of years, God spoke to people every now and again. But it wasn't like God was speaking like they were hearing a voice every single day. Okay, This happened rarely. It happened every now and again. And, and this story actually tells us that. It starts out this way. In verse 1, it says, In those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. He's literally living in the tabernacle, so that was the temple before they had a building. It was a tent that was a, that was a temple. God was present there. The ark of God was in the temple. And the ark was what? The ark was, was a thing that they carried with them and with the, with the um, Ten Commandments in it. And, and God promised that if you carry that with you, I will be present there. So literally, the presence of God is in that room. And they're living there, and still it says, messages were rare. And it says visions, just if you thought like, okay, God didn't maybe speak, but maybe there was a lot of visions. It's like visions were very uncommon. But throughout the Bible, we see that. But at this point, God didn't speak so much. And at this point, through whatever way he wanted, and there was a reason for this. The reason for this was that God spoke to Eli quite a lot. And Eli had two sons that became priests as well. And these sons abused everything in the temple. And God is like, dude, you need to sort out your sons. You need to discipline them. You don't discipline your children, they're going to end up in jail, or they're going to end up killed, hopefully not by God, but this is 
basically the story. But God is like, you need to sort out your children. And Eli's like, oh, they're fine. They're fine. I'm, I'm a dad. I know what to do. And just as you don't like to keep a conversation going with someone that doesn't listen to you, someone that, does, that ignores you, or someone that just wants to, to, that has verbal diarrhea and just wants to talk about themselves, they never want to hear your story, they never want to hear what you're saying, just as you don't want to talk to them, God doesn't want to talk to people who's not going to listen and obey. So God was quiet. God is like, I'm not going to speak to you. But then finally God speaks. And throughout the Bible, as I've said, we see these moments where God speaks very clearly. And I think one of the most clear images most of us might have about God speaking is Moses and the burning bush. Because it's been on TV, it's been all over. So Moses is walking through the desert. He hears a voice. He goes up. There's a bush burning. And God speaks in an audible voice through this burning bush. Another time that God has done this is within the life of Samuel. God spoke through angels with Gideon. In the New Testament, Paul is a guy, Saul back then, who hated Christians, who hated the church. He did everything he could to capture Christians so that they could, be, be, um, that they could appear in front of the courts and so that they could be killed. And then Saul is on his way to go and arrest some Christians, and a light appears from heaven. He falls down on the ground. Jesus speaks to Paul. Paul goes blind for two days or for a couple of days. And then finally when he can see his life turned 180 degree, even more so than Kanye West's life. Because Paul went from like, I want to kill Christians to now I'm preaching the gospel. Kanye just went from his saying he's Jesus to now he's proclaiming Jesus. That's amazing. But a 180 degree turn because he heard the voice of God. Okay, so that's Old Testament, that's New Testament. What about now? Two generations back, my grandmother the wife of a Dutch Reformed Church minister. So all my ancestors have been Dutch Reformed Church. Ingekaard Dormis. I was one as well. So if you want to talk about a prim and proper pastorimuder, mevrouw Dormis, that was my grandmother. She's sweet, she's soft-spoken, she's so prim and proper. No, no anything of anything charismatic in her bones, okay? And she started dating my granddad, and I was very young when she told me this story, and it, it got stuck in my brain. She met my granddad after a little while. They went to the movies one day. <clears throat> and she said, as a good gentleman, he led the way. He stopped at, at the aisle. He let her go in first. She said she walks in, and she hears a voice that says, this is your husband, marry him. And she said she looked around, and she's like, there's no one in the, in the whole theater. It's just the two of them. And she's like, just spoke to me. And she said again, an audible voice said to her, this is your husband, marry him. Not in her imagination. She's not a crazy, charismatic lady dancing with flags. She's an old, prim and proper lady. She heard God saying, this is your husband, marry him. And they've, they were married till the day my grandfather died a couple of years ago. Served in ministry together. God spoke in an audible voice to her as well. I have had the privilege of God speaking to me, not every day. Most days through his word, the Bible. But I've heard an audible voice once or twice in my life. I've I've, I've had amazing things that I can't explain in dreams and in visions and whatever. And we're going to talk about how God speaks. But God chose to speak not only in the Old Testament, not only in the New Testament. It didn't stop with the apostles, with the, with the disciples of Jesus, the 12 men that started following him. Throughout the ages, as you read through the Christian church history, you will find moments when God spoke so clearly that people couldn't ignore it. And I'm like, Why? God spoke to Samuel. Why? Because God had a message he needed to get across and no one wanted to hear. So finally God is saying, I will talk to a child. You see, God spoke throughout the ages because God speaks when we need to hear and obey him. 
God doesn't just waste his breath. God speaks because he wants us not only to hear him like Eli did and say like, cool, cool God, I'm just going to continue doing what I want. God speaks because it's a message he wants to get over. He wants you to hear what he's got planned for your life. He wants you to hear what's going wrong in, in, in our country, things you need to pray for, things you need to speak about it. Um, and, and then finally, he wants us to obey that. So if you're like, Louis, I think God is not, not speaking to me because maybe I don't know what reason. I want to say, like, if God has a message for you, He will speak in a way you cannot deny. But He will not speak if you're not willing to obey it. Then He's going to stay quiet just as He stayed quiet with Eli. God will go to those who's willing to listen. That's my first thing today. If you want to hear the voice of God, you need to be willing to listen. I think one of the biggest misconceptions we might have without even like processing this consciously, without even saying it, is we believe, I think, that God doesn't speak to us because He's far away. Our Father in heaven. So He's a Father, He loves me, as we said last week, but He's in heaven, He's far. God, God, is, God is at this, He's close enough for me to hear whatever. So maybe God's not speaking to me because my relationship is not good enough with God. Maybe God is not speaking to me because I'm too sinful. Maybe God is not speaking to me because the distance between me and God is too great. I want to read you something that in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, before Jesus died on a cross to reconcile your, your relationship with your Father in heaven so that there's no more distance, so that you don't need a priest to intercede for you, that you don't need a tabernacle, that you don't need an altar. Before that even happened, when God was still at a distance from people, because the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out in the Old Testament. So when God was still at a distance from people, this is what the Israelites wrote but Moses writes, Deuteronomy 4 verse 7, he says, What great nation, what other religion has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on Him? He's literally saying, listen, the moment you call on God, the moment you pray, if you were here last week, prayer is so important to God. We read in Revelation, it's this golden bowl, all the prayers go in there, it's mixed with incense, it smells good to God, prayer is so important. And Moses is saying, every time a prayer leaves your mouth, God comes and is near you, every time. So basically, this is what he's saying. You're not hearing God's voice because he's far away from you. Every time you pray, he's near you. So there must be a different reason why we struggle to hear the voice of God. If He wants to speak, He will speak. If He needs to give you a message, He wants you to obey. He's close to you, so it's not like He's going to shout from heaven and you're like, sorry, what did you say, God? He will speak that you will hear. But why do we struggle then to hear God's voice? And I want to read you something today. This is not on the screen. So if you've got your Bibles, open to 1 Kings 19. Um, in 1 Kings 19, we, so, so we, we did a series when, when our church started about the life of Elijah. Huh? Elijah, yes, Elia and Elisa. Okay, Elijah, yeah. And before that, before him, there was the prophet that, that, was his, that taught him and that kind of like led him on this path, Elijah. And he did amazing things. He heard God speak so clearly he went on to a mountain and challenged the king's prophets that were all like false prophets. And he's like, let's build, <clears throat> let's build altars and let's see whose God responds. He's brave, man. He's like, I, I'm not afraid of 400 prophets. And these guys were cutting themselves and praying that the gods would, would burn up this, all their offerings on this altar. And Elijah's like, you know what? Bring some water and pour it over mine. And then he prayed, and God is near us when we pray. We read in Deuteronomy. So God sends fire from heaven. The whole thing is just gone. 
Okay, God just incinerates everything with fire. So God responds. And then the queen gets angry because he then have all the false prophets killed. And the queen is like, okay, Elijah, I'm going to have your head. This man that just stood before hundreds of other guys who, who saw God like incinerating stone with fire, he freaks out completely. He runs into the desert. He gets all depressed. He's sitting under a tree moping. He needed some meds. There were no meds back then. And then finally, God is like, okay, I'm going to prepare you to hear my voice again. And let's read 1 Kings 19 from verse 11. Um, just like two verses. God sends him on this journey through the desert. Finally, he gets to this mountain, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And then verse 11, God says, um, wait, 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 1 Kings 19, verse 11. I'm at the wrong chapter. The Lord said, Go out, he was in a cave. God says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. But God is about to pass by. It's like, you, I'm talking to you, you're hearing it, but you're not processing it. So I want you to, for a moment, be in my presence so that you can understand, like, who's talking to you again. So Elijah goes onto this mountain. Then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Everything is shaking. Elijah is trying to find cover, but he's on a mountain. So he's thinking he's going to die. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. And Elijah's like, why did I forget my fire blanket? But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah had heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, covered his face, and he went out, and he stood at the mouth of the cave. When I read this, I, I, this almost feels like the opposite of what I would think how God would, would get his, into his presence, how God would reveal himself. So let me ask you this for a moment. If, if I had to ask you, how would you imagine the voice of the living God, the vo God that created the universe, how do you imagine his voice sounds? This is what, what I would have said. I would have said, man, it is, it is strong. It is crazy. It is, like, it is like a thousand trumpets sounding at the same time. People like melt before God when he speaks. That's what I would have thought. And, if, and, and I'm not alone. That is God's voice. But what is interesting, he uses that voice often not to talk to us. He uses that towards his enemies. So hear what the Bible says. In Genesis, God speaks a word and a universe is created so big that we do not know the ends of it, that we think it still continue growing. With the word. That's a powerful voice. A voice that echoes over eternity. In, in Psalm 68, the psalmist writes that God speaks with a mighty voice, not a soft voice, not a gentle voice, not a small voice, a mighty voice. In, in Psalm 29, this is insane. Hear what they say. They say the voice of God is powerful, like the strongest voice you've heard. It says it's majestic. It's more beautiful than the most beautiful angelic choir you ever thought you've heard. And it says it thunders. It scares you. And then it says it breaks cedars. It breaks, God speaks and trees break in half. That's the voice of God. But then in Psalm 46, he explains this. He's like, when everything is in chaos, that's when God uses his, his dad voice. 
The boys when you say the full name and like Abigail Isabella Skipper, then like the world stops. She knows like now it's trouble. That's that's when God uses this voice. And in Psalm 46, he says, when everything is in chaos, God speaks and he says, the earth melts. Have you ever seen a human being melt? Look at a little kid or a dog that did something wrong and, and the parent come and the parent like shows them the thing they did wrong and they're like, just like melt into it. That's what happens when God speaks. Everything melts before him. God is majestic. His voice is powerful. So why did God choose when Elijah was going crazy, when he was feeling all depressed, when he, when he was scared, when he didn't know what's going on, when he felt like God was far away from him and God was not protecting him and God didn't care about him? Why did God come in a gentle whisper? Because Elijah had so much noise in his head that no matter what God would have done, he would have never heard God speak. You see, at this moment, he had the voice of the queen in his head that said, I wanted your head. He had the voice of a nation in his head that said, we're not going to obey God. He had the voice of his own fear in his head that said, you're never going to make it out of this. He had the voice of the journey in his head, his tired feet after 40 days in the desert. And God was like, Elijah, if you want to hear me again, I'm not going to yell over the noise in your life. I want you to get to a place where you're so quiet, where all the noise is so drowned out that you can hear the gentlest of whispers. God doesn't yell over the noise in our lives. I want to tell you today, I believe there's a direct link between noise in your life and the ability to hear God's voice. The louder the noise, the softer God's voice. Not because he speaks softly, because you're cutting it out. The, the softer the noise, the louder God's voice. You see, we live in a world, and I think if, if you ever ask me, like, Louis, when is the most difficult time throughout all the ages to hear God's voice? I'm going to tell you it's this century. And I think especially because of the smartphone that's about 10 years old. And you can go read, read research about this. Our neural pathways are firing the whole time, whole time. They're just going off. So you're supposed to take a rest day. The Bible says that, a Sabbath day. And what do we do? The first thing we wake up is we open our cell phones. I normally open News 24 to just know what's going on in the world. So immediately what starts happening? Your neuron starts firing again. There's noise about this corruption. There's noise about crime. There's noise about this. There's noise about the Springboks winning the, world, the Rugby World Cup. The next moment you open social media, you start comparing yourself to other people. These neurons firing away. And at the end of the day, you think you're resting, but your brain is working at a speed that we cannot comprehend. It's like gridlock traffic. It's bumper to bumper in your mind. God is waiting for that moment when you go like Samuel Everyone is asleep. It is quiet in the tabernacle. And he goes and he lies down, not in his room, next to the ark of God. It's like, the place I want to sleep is as close to the presence of God as I can come. And you know what's crazy to me? We're like, Louis, God feels so far away. Yesterday evening when you were sleeping in your bed, God was there, as if the ark itself was there, because the Spirit of God has been poured out, and He floods, He covers the earth. When you got up this morning and you were brushing your teeth, God was there. 
When you are sitting here this morning, God is here. When you're going to work this morning, He's there. It's literally like we have priests walking behind us with the ark of God, just following us wherever we go. The presence of God is with us every single moment. And Samuel is like, the place where I want to rest is in the presence of God. Even if it means I have to sleep on a hard floor. God is waiting for that moment when we're like, God, I will quiet everything down and just enter into your presence. Let me answer the question that we all might have, and that is, how does God's voice sound? <clears throat> Let me tell you something first. You're just not, there's no one way that it sounds. But there is a rule that we read about in, in, in this passage about Samuel, and that is that you need to get to know God's voice. So Samuel, God is calling Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli. God calls again Samuel, and he's like, yes, Eli. And Samuel's like, dude, go back to bed. And, he's, and God calls him again, and he's like, Eli, why do you keep calling me and sending me back? And Eli's like, I'm not calling you. What's wrong with you? He thought it's Eli. He didn't know God's voice. We read in, I think it's verse 7, because he didn't hear God's voice before. God hasn't spoken to him. So if you want to know, Louis, what does God's voice sound like? I'm going to give you a couple of examples in a moment of how God can speak to us. But I want to tell you, there's no substitute for you tuning in, for you quieting down, and for you sitting in the presence of God and getting to know his voice. But the second thing that I want to tell you before I talk about that is that when God does speak, there's something holy about it. And you will know. It's that moment when you can't help, but you feel just like something is different. Elisha saw the biggest windstorm that literally tore a mountain apart, and God is not there. He's, he's standing there like all brave and tough. There comes a fire. There's an earthquake. The earth shakes. Can you imagine being on a mountain and the earth shakes? Like that fall is far, man. It's not just to the ground. It's off the mountainside. But Elisha is still brave. And then the gentle whisper comes. He hears the voice of God is in the presence of God, and the only thing he can do is the presence of God is so beautiful, it's so majestic, it's, it's so amazing that the only thing he can do is he takes out a piece of cloth and he wraps his head. He's like, if I see God, I will die. That is the beauty. That's the, the majestic, the, the awesomeness of God. He's like, I have to wrap my face. I have to get off this mountain. He goes back into his cave because he's like, I cannot be in this presence of God. Whenever God speaks to you through whatever way, you will know because it will be different. It will be holy. But God can speak through a physical voice. My grandmother heard it. Samuel heard it. I've heard it in my life. God can speak through a physical voice. It doesn't often happen, but it does happen. And it's a moment when you think someone else is speaking to you, but there's no one in the room. And you're not imagining it because you heard a voice clearly. It's not that internal voice. I'm talking about a voice you hear with your ear. God can speak through visions. We read this in Samuel. Visions were uncommon that day. What does a vision look like? It can be different. But God will reveal something to you in a way that you've, you will know when you have a vision. You will be like, this is not normal, man. This feels weird. I do not believe in stuff like this. And suddenly it happens. You're like, what now? For some, something like this happened to me. I, I, I ran to my phone. I called my dad. I'm like, I've got no idea what just happened. God can speak through dreams. We had this lady in our old church. And whenever I went through a difficult time, she would call me like a couple of, like the next day or so. And she'll be like, Louie, are you okay? And I'm like, why? She's like, I dreamed this and this and this about you. And God said, like, I need to pray for you. And I'm like, that's exactly what's, what I'm going through. Like, how's that even possible? That's God. God can speak in that internal voice. Where you don't hear anything. You just feel this nudge. 
Years ago, I was still a student, and one night our band played in, in Hatfields, Hatfields, where all the students hang out in Pretoria. <clears throat> our band played. I'm driving back home, and, and I'm on this big road in, in Hatfield, and I see this girl walking next to the road, and she's clearly crying, like 11 o'clock at night. I'm writing exams the next morning, by the way. I'm still studying. <clears throat> so I, I just feel like I have to see, like, I can't just leave someone walking next to the road that's crying. And I stopped there, and I start talking to her, and she's this, this whole story that her sister took the car, drove off. She needs to, to get to the apartment. Long story, I get it there. I start feeling really uneasy. And at that moment, I kind of felt so good about myself because I'm like, like, how many good guys are there that will pick up a random girl and take her to an apartment and make sure nothing happens to her? I'm like, I'm so chuffed that I'm such a good guy, right? We feel that way. But then I start feeling so uneasy, and she, this whole process where she t- tries to take my phone and call her family and then accidentally forgot my cell phone in her handbag. She doesn't want to give me the address. We finally get to this apartment building. She wants me to come up to meet her parents when, because they will be so glad that I'm such a good guy and to get to the apartment. Yes, and I feel this nudge, like, you shouldn't go. So by this moment, I've got pepper spray in my hand. I'm like, something is weird. And there's a little tiny girl next to me, but I'm walking around with pepper spray. I'm like, I'm ready for anything. And, and we get to this elevator, and as I want to go in, I feel such a strong nudge, I shouldn't go in. I tell her, you know what, I will wait here, I'm not going to go with you. And she's got this whole story, I'm like, I'm waiting here. And she's gone. I go to security desk to go and find out, she had some of my money as well, and um, what's going on. And it was a thing that, that they did in Pretoria, where they would get normally drunk guys, to go with them, they will go up with these girls into the room because they think they would have sex with them. And then these guys waiting upstairs, they know where the car is parked, they know they've got a cell phone, they know they've got the keys, they beat the people up, they take the cars, everything. Luckily, I didn't really drink, so I wasn't drunk. So I was at a place where I could hear the voice of God instead the noise of all kinds of other stuff in my life. And I didn't hear a physical voice. There was no miraculous sign, stars crawling from heaven. I just knew I shouldn't go in there. And if I did... I might have lost my life. But God can speak through that internal voice. God speaks through his word. The Bible is not just a book, black letters on white pages. The Bible is more than that. It's the word of God, and God speaks through his word. And you might read something, and God just lays something on your heart. That's God speaking through his word. God can speak through other Christians that will come to you and, and, and encourage you or give you a word from God. And whatever you, whenever you think you hear the voice of God, always match it to his word, because God will never... Go against his own word. Okay, so that's always, the Bible is always your starting point. But there's so many ways, more ways than we can ever imagine. God speaks through miracles, through signs, through all kinds of stuff in the Bible. You need to get to a place where we are like Samuel in the presence of God. We are like, God, speak to me. So what do we need to do in order to hear God's voice, in order to recognize his holy voice? This is the simple version. Prepare. Cut the noise, step two, three, and listen closely. You have to prepare. Elijah is sitting under a bush feeling very sorry for himself because God doesn't care about him. And God sends an angel to feed him. And I was like, cool, thank you, I'm good. And the angel comes again and feeds him again. He's like, you better eat because you've got a long journey ahead. Why? Because Elijah wasn't prepared to hear God's voice because he had all this noise in his head. So for 40 days and 40 nights, God leads him through a desert. Do you know what happens when you're walking for 40 days and 40 nights through a desert where there's nothing? If you've ever gone on a hiking trip, your mind clears. No cell phones, no newspapers, no people. 
40 days and 40 nights in the desert, you have to prepare. You have to find a space. You know that Jesus in Luke 5 verse 16, we read that Jesus often, not every now and again, not when he felt like it, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The Son of God. God himself. Jesus found it important to go to a lonely place so he could pray so that all the noise of the people shouting, Jesus, heal me, Jesus teaches, so that his disciples saying, Jesus, show me the way, so that the king saying, like, we're going to kill him, so that all of those noises will be drowned out. Jesus found it so important that he had to find a quiet place to spend time with his father. Who are we to think that as human beings in the 21st century, we're going to hear God's voice, but never going to a quiet place to pray? Like if Jesus had to go to a quiet place, how can we not do that? You have to prepare. You have to make a decision to cut the noise. You have to say, tomorrow morning when I'm waking up, I'm pressing stop on my alarm, but I'm not opening News 24. I'm not opening Facebook. I'm not opening Instagram because I'm not going to allow a bunch of noise in my head before I've heard the voice of God. Because what's going to determine how your day is going to be like? Either Facebook, either Instagram, the news, or God. But your choice. And you have to decide what the first voices you're going to hear in your head. So make a choice not to open that before you've spent time in the Word, before you've spent time in prayer. Samuel had to go to a place. He had to prepare. He had to lie down. He had to have his place next to the ark of God. Elijah had to go through this journey. He had to go onto the mountain of God into a holy place. You need a place. Take your phone to do not disturb. Don't read from your cell phone if you get a message. Then read from paper Bible. I do that because my phone just frustrates me when there's notifications. Find a chair. Find a spot in your garden. Find a spot somewhere. Find a time in the day when it's quiet, when you can sit before God like Samuel. I don't know if you can remember this, this game we played when we were little. Maybe if, if you're a Cape Townian, you'll probably not know this because you're like, yeah, I can just go to the beach and hear the sea. We live 1,600 kilometers away from the ocean. Okay, my biggest dream my whole life has been to live close to the ocean. <clears throat> the only way you could do that when you're not at the ocean and you want to hear it is to take a shell and put it to your ear. And you hear the ocean. But if you all were talking, if there's noise in the room, I will never hear anything in the shell. But when it quiets down, I hear the ocean. The voice of God is a gentle whisper to His children that He loves. Like you have to cut the noise. You have to put it close to your ear to hear. Find a place, prepare yourself, cut the noise, cut everything that prevents you. Get up before your children get up, whatever you might do. And finally, listen. Like with that shell, Eli, as much as he didn't obey God, gave this amazing piece of advice to Samuel. He said, go back and say, speak, God, your servant is listening. And God spoke. And we read a couple of verses later that God continued to speak to Samuel. 
He was in that privileged position of not just hearing God's voice once or twice in his life. He heard it continuously because I think he went through the same process. He prepared himself. He cut all the noise. He found his, his special place that was his conversation time with God. And he listened closely, intently. Does your time with God look like that of someone wanting to hear his voice? If it doesn't look like that, if it's still full of noise, you can't do like Jesus and find a place, a lonely place. It's not that God is far from you. It's not that God doesn't speak. But it might just be the noise in your life drowning the voice of God. As we serve a powerful God, a living God, we should all hear Him. We should all be like Eli, wrapping our faces in cloth because of the majestic nature of God. It'd be okay. We're just going through life and nothing happens. Go serve a dead God then. Don't allow the noise of the world to drown the voice of the living God. He wants to speak. Will you listen? Let's pray. God, thank you that you're a living God, that you speak, that you make yourself known. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will not be quiet in our life, but that we would listen intently and that you would speak, that we would recognize your voice, that we would hear the beauty and the holiness and the splendor of your voice, that we would obey and respond. May we get to know you more. May we be like Samuel, hearing your voice throughout our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you miss.